You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the show wherever you are here in the Diamantina Shire or around the world. Thank you for tuning in to another week of the Batuta Advocate radio show here on Desert Rock FM. My name is Errol Parker. And I'm Clancy Overall. Thank you for joining us today, coming live to you out of Koala Mattress Studios in downtown Batuta, the old city district. We have a very talented guest coming into the studio today for a chat. That's right, Errol, we do. Someone who, like myself, had some horrific injuries, crippled their career early on in the piece. Uh, the rugby league, of course. What could have been, hey, Clancy? She's achieved a hell of a lot, though. Played for a state, her country, and excelled at all levels of the game. Not just some scouts talking her up for a possible trial down there at the Redcliffe Dolphins. Yeah, well, some Balmain coaches were um, going to be at that trial as well. Errol, but yes, our guest today is an elite athlete who has achieved a lot, a lot more than me, um, I will admit. She's also uh, a television and media personality and a school teacher as well. All right, I think the cat's out of the bag now, mate. Her name is Alana Ferguson. You've probably seen her either playing rugby league or hosting it there on Channel 9. Yeah, she's been a fresh young face in the Channel 9 rugby league uh, team and is currently playing an integral role in the NRL women's comp, getting it off the ground. Yeah, she's been heavily involved in growing the women's game around the country. But just before we duck into that chat, uh, a quick reminder that Clancy and I are going on a roadshow tour around the country in November and December this year. Yes, we will be lifting the veil on the operations of this newspaper uh, in the newsroom, uh, all the things that, uh, that we do to get the, uh, the hot press out to you. We'll be talking about our upward trajectory as a rival as our rival media companies fall or merge with Channel 9, which is equivalent to falling, I guess. It's sure to be a night of laughter, tears, and irrational outrage. The show is going to 13 venues across the country, so jump online and visit www.batutaadvocate.com forward slash roadshow or go to the episode notes to find the details and buy your tickets there before they sell out, inevitably. But let's move on to today's guest. Yes, here we are with Alana Ferguson. Thank you for joining us today. Busy time of the year for you, Alana. Yeah, very busy. Exciting time of the year, though. But yeah, there's a lot happening, especially in the rugby league world. Yeah, and and quite a year for rugby league uh, in terms of uh, much less kind of off-field stuff this year. It's all been about, you know, the game's getting more and more exciting. Obviously, that uh, Rabbitohs and and Storm match was probably one of the best of the year on on the weekend. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. It was kind of like an early grand final. Yeah, yeah, it it was top tier. And there's been football like that throughout the year, everyone seems to be uh, kind of, yeah, sometimes there'll, there'll be years when rugby league has a lot of off-field, and uh, that's not one of these years, I don't think. No, I don't think so, and I think there's just so many teams that are likely to go in the winning, I guess, to be premiers this year, which is, which makes it exciting, but also for the fans, it's exciting for them to turn up because mm. no one really knows what's going to happen yeah. um, week in, week out. There's been so many different surprises with teams turning up and their different performances, but yeah, very exciting for Rugby League, all, all of the games, and the top eight uh, have been so close this year. And we've seen uh, over the last kind of five years, almost decade, uh, Rugby League's really turned it up with uh, fairy tales. You know, you've had the, the, the bunnies coming through uh, with their first one in something 43 years. And then, there, of course, there was the Cowboys with their first ever and then the Sharks with their first ever. <laughs> and then a couple of years before that, they had the, uh, the the Dragons won their first one Yeah. after the merger with the Illawarra Steelers, which uh, a little bit of um, Wayne Bennett magic there. 
Mm. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I and mean, everything Wayne was touching at the time was turned, turned to, to gold. gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he did well with he did well with Newcastle. Have you seen a change in supporter base and and kind of momentum behind the game since we started seeing these? Uh, these kind of premierships that everyone wanted to see happen? Yeah, well, I think even just for myself living in the Shire, I've been a diehard Sharkies fan forever. So 2016 was massive. But even just living there in the thick of it and seeing, um, I guess, the supporters day in, day out, you wake up in the morning, you go and get your coffee. And throughout the tail end of that year when the Sharks were playing great footy and they did look very likely to win the premiership, People just weren't taking their clothes off. Yeah. They were they they had their hats on the whole time. They were walking around in their sharks jerseys, um, and it didn't matter if they lost or if they won. They just had their sharks gear on around the clock. And I think it just brings a little bit of heart and passion back into uh, those local areas. And I'm sure that it would be the same. I can't say the same for if the Cowboys win or mm. when the Dragons won because I'm not there all the time. But mm. certainly in the Shire, when the Sharks When they got to turn the porch light off. Yeah, when... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Turn the porch light off. <laughs> but yeah, no one wanted to take their Sharks gear off. It was yeah. really cool. People were painting their fences. They had balloons up. They had flags going. But it was, it was even before the final series... Uh, during the lead up and then even once they won no one wanted to take it down so I think it just ignites a little bit more passion and a bit of heart and um, yeah back into the fans and back into the local clubs as well because that's really important to take footy back to the local clubs and that's what gets kids inspired to to want to play I guess. Tell us about your uh, your early days playing you, you did you come from Oztag is that is that the, the you were an Oztag player a pretty prominent one as well um, I actually, the first game I ever played was rugby league. Right. Yeah. So I started just before I turned five. Yep. Um, I had an older brother who played footy. So I grew up on the sideline watching him yep. and basically just begged mum and dad. I've got three brothers, yep. two younger, one older. So I watched Dane play footy and, and got on there from as soon as I could, as soon as I got the nod. Yep. I think mum and dad sort of thought that, yeah, well, We'll say yes, we'll give her a go and she yeah. won't like it. But um, that certainly wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. I loved it from the first game. And then I played up until the under-12s. Yep. But during that stage, I did play Oztag as well, a bit yeah. of touch footy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked Oztag probably the most because it related a little bit more, I guess, in terms of gameplay to rugby league. But, yeah, then I played to the under-12s and was basically shattered when it yeah. got taken away from tell, me. Tell us about that because obviously the boys' bodies are changing <laughs> as well and you're playing with, you know, and there's kids probably jumping the gun on puberty so you, there's probably some beards getting around, yeah. you know, when, at that age. There seriously was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of the NRL when they made that decision, the under-12s is the perfect age because mm-hmm. for me growing up playing with the boys, I was only ever, I was always only the, sorry, I was always the only girl playing mm-hmm. um, except for my final year but, in terms of being on the same playing field, I guess, mm-hmm. with the boys, it was always it was always even. Mm-hmm. And it would just depend on your body shape. Like you were either big or you were small or you were yeah. fast or you were, or you were strong or whatever it was. But I thought it was always pretty similar, um, me as opposed to um, standing next to the boys. But there was a point where the boys did hit puberty. And there was actually one match in particular that it um, affected me mm-hmm. was our school team. We made it through to state. And we made, in the semi-final, actually, we came up against Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And <laughs> I know said, hey. <laughs> yeah. And there were some boys in that side that looked like they could have been five years older. They yep. were taller than my dad and just as fast as anyone on yep. the field. So that was pretty... Um, Bit of tongue and that was pretty. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty yeah. eye-opening. But yeah. other, other than that, like, they nailed it. It was mm-hmm. fine. At any other game that I'd played in, it was always pretty fair. Yeah. Um, and... 
yeah, then the next year, that is when the boys start getting facial hair and yeah. everything kind of changes. But up until that point, I think that, you know, you've either got, you either love rugby league or you don't. You either put your body on the line, on, your, on the line or you don't. It's it's pretty, it's pretty fair game. So there was no pathway then for girls to, to really continue on. Yeah, no, the there game. wasn't. There was there was nothing then, mm-hmm. um, which was for me. I've always grown up literally obsessed with rugby league. Mm-hmm. I played it, but also on the weekends, you know, I'd sit with my dad on the lounge and watch. And just watch the footy, yeah. just yeah. loved it. My yeah. three brothers, they might watch for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. then they'd duck off and go and find something better to do. Mm-hmm. But I'd always loved doing it. But actually after the – when we won state that year, that was my last game ever of rugby league in the juniors and I didn't watch the NRL for two years because I was so shattered mm-hmm. because I just couldn't uh, – I couldn't understand why they would take that away from me. Yeah. And I just thought it was so unfair because – that, that was me. That was who I was. That was what I loved doing. Um, it was all I wanted to do, really. And being a kid, like I was 11 years old, I just was so upset. I didn't understand it, but there was nothing for me to go there, to. There was just nothing. There was no. like you couldn't, you couldn't find So some. there was no alternatives? Like you couldn't go to, to Union or to I or could anything. have probably gone to Union, drive, uh, driven to Sydney, but yeah. Like if you grow up in a rugby league family, it's what you love. Yeah, like yeah, it's hard to. Cut I, I've, up, I've, isn't I've it? played rugby sevens and yeah, and I gave it a crack and it was fun, but I didn't love it. I didn't feel yeah. the same for mm-hmm. rugby as what I do for rugby league, yeah. and I, that was the part of me that was missing. That was yeah. What I you don't often see a league player move over to Union for less money, do you? No, no, no. definitely no. not. Because it's just it's just ingrained in you, especially yeah. if that's what you've always grown up with and that's your passion. Yeah. We yeah. spoke to Sam Kerr earlier in the year and she was saying how... She's a legend. Yeah, AFL for her, um, there was a point when she, you know, she, oh, I'm going to now have to become the best soccer player in the world. You yeah. know, she said, but had I had that option, I'd be the best AFL player, you know, in, 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 in that kind of world. Uh, yeah, and how she was forced to do that, you know, as a great athlete. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, uh, crossing over, like, um, for someone who's grown up playing rugby league, it's probably even worth playing a completely different sport because there's two different minds for rugby league and rugby union. And, you know, you could have gone into anything, could have become a swimmer after that and channeled that. But yeah, you just kept You just kept chipping away. Where, where were you for those couple of years? What were you doing? So when I stopped playing yeah. footy, do you mean, when I was younger? Yeah. yeah. I always played Oztag. So I think Oztag was kind of created it was a pretty new game when I was about seven or eight mm-hmm. um, so I'd played Oztag the whole way through I played a bit of touch footy but just didn't really love it but yeah I just kept playing Oztag and through school to be honest I played any sport I, I just did absolutely everything mm-hmm. um, just so I could get the day off school pretty much yeah, yeah. and keep going through but um, I played cricket I played softball I played any, every code of footy I played mm-hmm. soccer on Sundays um, I, I kind of just did everything. But so you were one of those kind of local kids that were oh, just... I was the tomboy abs. that ripped into yeah. everything. And you were, <laughs> you know, you were going to districts and then you were going to state <laughs> yeah. and then you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was me. Yeah. Just and whatever da- I could. Never for shot put though. Yeah, yeah. Just, just for the running races. <laughs> no, Long jump. No. <laughs> so your parents were doing a lot of driving too. Oh, I feel sorry for my parents thinking yeah. back to it now. But we had some pretty cool times. Yeah. We'd always have like um, touch touch footy tournaments out in parks and mum and I would go on road trips. It'd yeah. be pretty cool. But yeah, mum and dad were the best. They always came to everything, which I'm super grateful for. Is there a competitive streak as well where they're kind of, you know, um, more so than just your love of the game? It's kind of like they, they really love seeing, you know. Mum and dad? Yeah, you come home with some silverware. 
Oh, I don't know. They're pretty chilled, actually. Yeah. They're pretty chilled. They just love... They're not, not tennis parents. No, they're not. No. And they're not those parents on the <laughs> sideline that are yelling things out. They'll, at the end of the game, just say, great game. Did you have fun? Yeah, That'd be yeah. their first question. Yeah. Um, Dad would always offer a little bit more in terms of um, analysing the game and what happened, but always very positive to the point where I'd go, Dad, can you just tell me three things that I did wrong so I can fix them? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and he'd be like, okay, well, there was this. <laughs> but it took a lot to get out of him. But yeah, no, that were great. And then when, when so you started um, uh, in, into the professional realm. How did you jump into that? For playing footy? Yeah. Yeah, after school. When did you reignite the... Uh the love or did you get the tap on the yeah. shoulder when was when was uh well so what happened was i actually got scouted and played rugby sevens for a little bit yeah and it was about 18 months out from the olympics and that was when they were recruiting and they were going to different codes so i think they'd come to possibly one of our inter- international matches for Oztag and yep. watch those and i kind of got the tap on the shoulder and i joined the rugby sevens program and i toured to we went to china um, with the with the Australian team, and I did my knee there, so I snapped my ACL over in China. That was your first one, wasn't it? No, that was my third one. Third jumping, Jesus! Yeah. So you'd yeah. done a lot of that stuff uh, just playing at club level. Yeah. Like, so I did my first ever ACL was actually playing touch football for New South Wales. Yeah. My second ACL was playing Oztag, and my third ACL was playing rugby sevens. Yeah. And then from that, that was a really big game changer for me, especially mentally, um, just because I'd finally gotten back to playing contact sport. And actually, at this point in time, there were rugby league competitions. This was yeah. kind of the first yeah. year that it was all happening. It, it wasn't underground anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I but I decided to give rugby sevens a crack. And when I'd done my knee over there it kind of just put everything into perspective for me. I was like, okay, this was a great opportunity and I loved it for the time that I was there for the six months or something. It was pretty full on, but I did really enjoy it. It was very testing because there were so many new things that I had to pick up on. But for me, it just put footy into perspective and what I was doing and just enjoying life really mm-hmm. because I, I've only ever played footy because I love it. Um, so yeah, I just decided to rip into rehab and I put so much time and effort into training full body transformation like I looked like a different person um I was certainly a lot fitter and faster which is pretty uncommon to come back from your third knee reconstruction and Mm. be better than what you were before it but I think it was that just came back to the time and effort that I put in and you know relearning how to run relearning how to change direction just everything from scratch and doing everything absolutely perfectly to the last t. but yeah I just wanted all I wanted to do from that point from literally laying on the field, I looked up in the sky and I was like, well, I know I've done it. I'm going to be playing rugby league next year. Yeah. yeah. And that that was it for me. And to be fair, the last Rico that I had was actually probably the easiest to get through in terms of my recovery and my yeah. rehab just because I'd, I'd never, I hadn't felt that motivation for a long time because I knew what I could get back to. How old were you when you did your first ACL? 15. 15. Yeah. Right. Which is pretty tricky because... As a 15-year-old, I'd never had to have 12 months off sport. Yeah. Right, so and that I'd was played, a year off. Yeah, so recovery yeah. is 12 months. Really? That's what, just 
Whoa. Every time. For an ACL. And yeah. what were you doing? Were you getting into video games or you just <laughs> No, I got into coaching actually. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. yeah. Um and I started coaching well the first year I assistant coached the sixteens Aussie team. Mm-hmm. And then after that took over and started doing the eighteens uh, myself. The first year I probably didn't appreciate it enough because I was a little bit peeved off that I had to coach and I couldn't play. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I got back to playing, I grew a passion for coaching as well because I realized how much I enjoy it and how much I help, how much I love helping people out there on the field and analyzing the game, changing things, and then seeing it work is mm-hmm. is a pretty cool thing. So that that's kind of when my passion for coaching, I guess, grew when I was able to appreciate that I could play and coach and that coaching was a choice, I guess. Yeah. And do you, so do you? did you have a favorite player growing up? Uh, rugby league was yeah joey joe johnson yeah. joey. <laughs> and are you seeing um that now happening where young girls can say they have a favorite player that isn't a guy absolutely yeah and I, to me that's the most exciting thing mm-hmm. and i don't and i love that i had that my favorite players were boys and mm-hmm. and i would still love that if girls had favorite players that were boys but mm-hmm. i also love that there's boys out there that have favorite players that are the females out yep. there and and same with the particularly women particularly in so, rugby you look at the yeah. you know uh, Aaliyah green and and then Charlotte Caslick running out stuff. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what you, you just have. I just love that people can acknowledge athletes and mm-hmm. for who they are and what mm-hmm. they're doing on the field. Yeah. Um, but certainly for me, I never had that choice. So yeah. the fact that that's even possible now is it's really exciting. To be honest, it kind of warms my heart. Like I get tingles thinking about it. I got a message off my friend this morning, a picture message. And she'd driven past and saw four of the women, one from each of the NRL teams on a billboard. And I literally, yeah. my tears started building up in my eyes because I was just so proud. And I was like, yeah. look, look where we are now. Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Little girls get to drive past this every day and see them up there. How amazing is it? And do you think it's, um, as a whole, doing wonders for rugby league? I mean, we've seen it, we've seen it in AFLW has um, given given the, you know, Aussie rules a kick. Yeah. Uh, yeah what, what are you seeing? on? Because you're out and about. You're on the ground. You get to see, you know, the game change as it does. Yeah. What kind of change are you seeing? I think overall it turns rugby league into a family game. Yeah. Everyone has a reason to go to the footy. Um, so for me, that's probably the biggest thing and the most exciting thing is, especially when the women's games are played before the men's, mm-hmm. um, everyone has a reason to go there, which is really cool. Uh, but also just getting that little bit of attention, I guess, and getting those big games and on those big fields and on free-to-air TV it's just exposing the fact that women can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of rugby league benefiting from that, it's it's enormous. It's enormous for sponsors. It's enormous for little kids at home. It's enormous for growing grassroots, which is the most important thing. But I think it's had a positive aspect or positive influence, sorry, on every aspect that they've mm-hmm. included. I can't see any negatives with it. And I think that that will only continue to rise as the game grows and also as, as more players come and join because essentially what you want is, and the aim for us, is to get little kids, boys and girls to sign up yeah. and play the game that we love and just get involved because we know how much you get out of the game, whether it be mates at training, playing against your opposition, learning new people, getting to travel, but you're playing for a reason and you're putting your body on the line for the person next to you. So I think just getting more people to the game, getting more people to see and then boys and girls involved in the game, that's, that's what it's all about. Do you recall, I mean, regardless of kind of injuries, the, the toughest match you ever played? was it? Would it have been a Gillaroos kind of match? Do you remember? Oh, State of Origin. Yeah. Yeah, State yeah. of Origin. Um, so it was the first year that we won. 
The first year I ever played, we drew four all. Mm. And before that, Queensland had won for 17 years in a row. Yeah. So the first year was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, four all was really tough. But the year after that, the year that we won, that was the hardest game of rugby league I've ever played. I actually didn't even get to celebrate too much because <laughs> as soon as the hooter went, I was in the bathroom throwing up for two hours because I was just got so beat. But mm. it was so worth it. Yeah. And you literally just leave everything on the field in a state of origin game there's not there are no words for it it's so physical it's brutal but it's also just the best thing that i've probably ever done and just to give so much of yourself for your teammates i guess and literally leave the field knowing that you left absolutely everything out there it's a pretty cool feeling well throwing up that's kind of marathon (laughs) oh i was a target i made 46 tackles that game (laughs) i was a definite target get the blondie on the edge Yeah, yeah um but anyway didn't work. We won. Yeah, you, you Happy got days. <laughs> now, uh, can you, you tell us a little bit about moving into your career in media. Um, not everyone has that opportunity. Definitely not, you know, in both genders. Um, there's only room for so many kind of media personalities. You've, you've um, got a knack for it. But what did you have planned after like your 16 yeah. knee reconstructions and ACLs? What, what was your plan? Was you? I didn't. I haven't had a plan. Yeah, My right. plan has <laughs> been... Um, to just love everything that I do. And when I finished school, I I went to uni and became a PE teacher, essentially because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something uh, in sport, mm-hmm. but I couldn't pinpoint what that, what that was, as most 18-year-olds can't. Yeah. So I still went to uni and I did my degree and I've been teaching ever since. Right. Love it. Still mm-hmm. love going to school. I still kind of try and get there a day or two a week. But in terms of a big plan, I haven't had one yeah. just because I've enjoyed everything that's happening along yep. the way. I also prayed that I didn't do my knee again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I knew if I had have done my other knee, if I had have done my right knee, not my left knee this time, I'd still be playing. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been able to get a knee reconstruction and keep going, but it was just the fact that it was my left knee. So to be fair, I didn't have too much of an end goal other than my goals were all just around growing the game, enjoying what I'm yeah. doing. Traveling, making friends, being in love, just doing everything that I could um, and making the most of time. But as soon as I'd done my knee, it was a pretty big shock. And I was like, okay, something's got to happen here. But I was fortunate to get my foot in the door before that happened. Um, The first time that I'd, I guess, been asked to go on TV, which is is essentially where it all happened, was after my Auckland Nines debut. Yeah. And... So it was the first time that I played for Australia. So for me, it was pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to do a couple of interviews when I was over there. I, my, I had a couple of decent games, I guess. So I got picked out of the crowd to do those interviews. And as a result of that, I was asked to go on the Sunday footy show yeah. on Channel 9 when I got home. And then the Thursday night footy show as well. And I was really uncomfortable with it, to be honest, especially given that I'm the small. I was always the smallest person on the field, mm-hmm. so and I had blonde hair. Yeah. So I was already a massive target, and I'm just a huge tomboy that loves footy and doesn't want to do anything else. So the first time that I was asked, I was pretty hesitant. I didn't want to do it. I was kind of like, I've got enough attention drawn to myself. I just want to play football. Yeah. But I got talked into doing it the Sunday footy show, and it was who, actually who were you on there with? Was it Sterlo? Um. Yeah, Freddie was on there. Yeah. Sterlo was on there. 
pretty cool yeah. because I grew up watching them oh, yeah. and absolutely idolizing them, which yeah. is was amazing in itself. That's probably that was probably the draw card <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. me on there. Yeah. I get an autograph or <laughs> seriously, what do I get out of this? <laughs> just a photo would be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the next day, I actually was just in Woolies getting the groceries, and a dad came up to me, and I remember exactly where I was. I was in aisle four. I was getting some cereal, and a dad came up to me and he said, "Hey, I saw you." on the show yesterday and they showed some highlights from Auckland Nines and he said my daughter's been asking me for years to play rugby league and I never let her but I'm going to now oh right and for me even now speaking about it like Mm. I have tingles going down my spine because I was like oh yeah well that's what it's all about and that's what this can do Mm. yeah so I don't I haven't necessarily ever been comfortable with the thought of being on TV Mm. but for me it was just about flicking that switch and making it about yeah the bigger picture yeah, and not certainly not myself because yeah. turning yeah. up there I'm not comfortable with it I don't like hair and makeup mm. Mm. Um, but then you know looking at the other side of things people are going to start playing now especially little girls mm. it's all about growing the game and giving those girls the opportunity that you know some of us never had or yeah. and things to come so it put it into perspective pretty quickly for me and I enjoy it every I enjoy it more each time just because I get that little bit more comfortable with what I'm doing yeah do you find it gets easier to be on television? Like the the more you do it, uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I even even now, even yeah. going from last weekend to this weekend, I'll be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the best thing for me is just remembering that it's about football. I'm not being asked about politics or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so it harder it's all than being asked about what I know? And I totally understand the game, and I know everyone that's playing, so it's pretty cool. Is it harder than than playing a game of rugby? For in me, front yeah. of all these people. Oh yeah. god, yeah. 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 Because playing footy comes naturally yeah, to me. Yeah. It's all yeah. I that's all I've ever done. It's what I know. Yeah. Um speaking in front of crowds or to a live audience or with people in the background shouting when people are trying to talk in your IFB, they're telling you you've got ten seconds to go. Yeah, yeah. You forget what the question was. That certainly doesn't come naturally, but again, I think it just keeps coming back to thinking about the bigger picture and I do once I once I settle down and once I get a little bit more comfortable like I enjoy it mm. so much the people that I work with are amazing mm-hmm. as you said Sterlo, Joey, Freddie, mm-hmm. Lockyer, yeah. Wally Lewis like I get to work with the best of the best yeah. and talk footy with them which yeah, is what and, I love doing and it's so good it's to cool. have a female personality that's played because you know you, there's, there's plenty of journalists um, and, and they're great and they, and they know the stuff they know the theory but you've, you've been out there and you've played it in practice so it's it is good then that's probably further to promoting the game right you, you yeah actually, I think so when I was playing you can say that I can remember <laughs> when I was yeah. playing yeah it's yeah. cool too now that the women's comp's on and Channel 9 we covered the Origin game and now we're covering the um, the women's NRL it is really cool because I've either trained with them or played against them and you know you know their nicknames you know their backstories and they're the kinds of things that I've always enjoyed through the commentary listening to the men talk about is just those little things those little personal touches that they have to add and to contribute to the conversation mm-hmm. rather than just calling the football game so for me I feel very lucky I guess it was just timing yep. and me doing my knee again whilst that was yeah. Devastating because my whole career was over. I should clarify it's, to the listeners: it, it wasn't sixteen. That was an exaggeration. She didn't do sixteen ACLs. <laughs> just four. <laughs> just four. But yeah, it's just opened another it's door. And what I'm doing, I'm I am really loving it. It's really cool. Now you said that um, you know rugby league, with the um, inclusion of the women's, has become more of a family kind of thing, and not just the game. The actual um, sports media landscape is changing a lot as well, um, including you know what we just spoke about. 
Um, how do you find that world as a you know a woman in a in a predominantly kind of I mean a lot of the stuff you're going to be talking about is men's football. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's changing, but how, how do you find that you can? Well, you just know the game so well that you're. Um, yeah, you, you, you. That's not the part that I'm uncomfortable yeah, with, yeah. and I've grown up in a man's world because yeah. I've always grown up um, playing footy. Yeah. So I'm certainly not uncomfortable with that part. The thing that I feel most comfortable about is talking about football yeah. and playing football. So I guess it just comes back to that. I just feel very fortunate and very lucky to, I guess, have stepped in at the right time. Yeah. Um, because if it wasn't me, it's it, you know it's it's going to be someone else, and I, and I want there to be other people. Um, to join it and to keep growing because for me as a young girl, I would have loved to have had those players out there to aspire mm-hmm. to, but certainly for, for young girls out there that want to get into the media and that's their aspirations, they then have women to aspire to yeah, as yeah. well. So, I mean... It's not just Sterlo and Fatty eating chilies on a panel anymore. No, yeah. <laughs> no, there's a girl in there giving them rib punches to egg them on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, um, you, you, yeah, we're talking about... Um, a lot of stuff we've been writing about on Batuta this week involves the off-field. And like I said before, everyone's been behaving. But there was a little bit of hysteria and a little bit of a vortex that everyone got caught in last week with the Bulldogs players. Yeah. It was what, a big fine, though. Yeah, it was a big Huge fine. fine. It was a big fine. And, um, and you know, some might say excessive. You've, you've been in that world, too. And, and I'm sure... And you don't have to go into it too much. <laughs> That's the, lucky. The women's have <laughs> Mad Mondays as well. Um, what the women you, are worse than the men's, yeah, let me I tell can you. I imagine, yeah. Sweet Caroline, you know. That's, that's what the boys were playing. Um, yeah, what did you think of that? Do you think that might have been a bit excessive? You mean, I mean, I know the, no one you worked for was, was really um, blasting them, but the media was. Well, they're always going to be looking for <laughs> another story. Yeah. And it is a shame that it gets taken off the game because yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that... I don't know, the negativity, it's not necessary. They've just gone through, like for a rugby league player to put your body on the line through pre-season, through all of those matches, I think a celebration at the end is warranted. Mm. The fact that uh, they were in the spotlight, Mm -hmm. there probably could have been a couple of decisions that they may have been able to make. That yeah. could have been a bit smarter, which Put would just be in between four windows. walls. Yeah, in yeah. four walls, no windows. <laughs> yeah, that's um, where. But I, I think it's pretty. I think it's they're pretty hard done by. Yeah, they deserve to celebrate just like anyone else. They don't get too much of those opportunities through the season. They put everything into it, and yeah, it was. It, it's tough. It's tough to watch. I know there's plenty of stories behind the scenes of everyone piping up. Yeah, saying. You know how unlucky it was, and that it was tipped off and yeah. whatnot. So I, I think it's a shame for them for that to be the case. But again, if you don't want anyone to see anything, yeah. four walls, no windows. Four walls, no windows, and <laughs> don't host it within five kilometres of every media outlet in the country. But uh, <laughs> one thing we would say, then, and it used to be an attitude in professional sport, is you know what? It, it might seem excessive, and it might seem like it's uh, they're overdoing it. But when you are essentially a robot playing football training day in, day out for an entire year, maybe a little bit of a bender is a good little recharge or a good little reset. <laughs> Team bonding. Yeah, particularly heading into the off-season. It's good to kind of just uh, let off some steam. And Did, did you did you find that with your with your like low-key, uh, non-eventful kind of... Uh, so boring. Yeah, boring <laughs> Mad Mondays that you did? I think it's... I, to be honest, I think team bonding is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. And if you can put everything into a season and come out the end of it and celebrate, then that's the best thing. It's a group... You need to be... A group of mates, I guess, mm-hmm. and it and it's work for them. 
but they all need to be on the same page and they get through so many of their struggles and you know they you miss out on a lot when you're a full-time athlete mm-hmm. you also have a pretty cool life but you do miss out on a fair bit and then the things that you miss out on you're with these people every other minute of the day so I think it's I think team bonding coming together at the end of it celebrating getting through we survived another year let's get ready for next <laughs> year I think it's really important yeah Tell us about what it was like to play for the Sharks. You you grew up supporting the Sharks. Yeah. You're from the Shire. And you were lucky enough that was one of the teams that were running a women's side. And and they're still, like, you know, kind of one of the more prolific women's sides in Cronulla. Yeah. How, how was that? To be honest, a dream come true. Yeah. I have a picture at home that I drew when I was little um, of me in a Sharks jersey. And... I've always been a big, and I think it's something that my parents instilled in me was to always write down your goals. And I'm talking little, I must have been six or seven because the picture that I drew is below average. (laughs) (laughs) But I can make out that it's a Sharks jersey. Um, But, you know, writing those things down forever and having those images in your head, for that to actually come true was mind-blowing. I still kind of don't even believe it. Mm -hmm. But the second that I put that jersey on in, and I remember warming up for our first game, it was like it just fit better than everything else. And I wasn't even emotional. I was just like could not wipe the smile off my face. Yeah. From ear to ear, so happy just that that day was actually able to happen. Um, but a massive, I guess, thank you deserves to be given to the Cronulla Sharks because the NRL wouldn't run the competition. Um, they actually made a statement when it was all happening, that they wouldn't run a competition until 2020. So the Cronulla Sharks were the first club to ever give us women's NRL contracts. Yeah, right. And that just meant that instead of us paying our own rego, buying our own boots, buying our own gear, just having the one coach that doesn't really have... um, Anyway, has just just coached club footy in a sense to to then being completely supported getting paid to play footy, but then everything else on top, the coaches, the welfare, all of the staff supporting us, just little things like gym memberships. Yeah. Um, that was enormous. And they had to do that on a club level because the NRO wouldn't do it. Do you think the fact that they had you in the back of their minds as well, they, they thought, that, like, you know, with experienced players so, so you know, loyal to the Sharks that they, they just knew they could do it? Did they, could, could they see the writing on the wall? Um, I was actually a part of the conversations 12 months beforehand. So there was a core group of us pushing for this Mm -hmm. to happen and making the club see and believe that it was possible. So I think I might have put that or helped (laughs) put that into their heads possibly. Um, But it was always a no-brainer. And especially on club land, even in the real world, you always need sponsors, you need money to make anything happen. It can be a dream, but you need people to believe in it and to Mm. invest in it. And I think that's what our women's team brought to the Cronulla Sharks was more possibilities, more opportunities. They were running a business, but they also saw that the product that we could sell essentially on the field was going to work and that they Mm. believed in it. So for us, just playing and training, that gave us a lot to train for. Um, It was a very positive thing, very exciting that they did believe in that as well. And then, yeah, it forced the NRL um, to make that decision to bring forward the women's NRL competition. Well, the inaugural season was this year. Yeah. And uh, there was one very glaring omission from that competition. Mm -hmm. And it uh, ended up 
uh, a little bit north of where the Shire is and ended up at the Dragons. Um, how did that happen? There's not too many um, great explanations. I haven't yeah. been given a good enough explanation. Mm-hmm. Basically, all that was come out and said was that it was because of geographical spread. Mm-hmm. But the, the Roosters have one too, Correct. don't they? Mm. Right. And also, the Roosters don't have an affiliated competition or club team, whereas we at the Cronulla Sharks did. Yeah. We we had Karen, Cronulla Caringbar, but then also the, all the junior competitions from the girls all the way through to the women's established. So it makes absolutely no sense to me because the pathway had been created in Cronulla. Mm-hmm. The product, well, they, the product the had been created yeah. in Cronulla and then it was turned back for no reason other than geographical spread. So it was a pretty massive slap in the face. Yeah. It might be worth uh, an investigation, really, yeah. by two of the Herald's more competent investigative reporters, yeah. Kate McClymont. Kate McClymont, if, Kayla Whitbourne, get in there. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and that, that is a shame because obviously the Sharks put a lot, on, put a lot into this thing. Um, well, they dipped into their own pockets to mm, make it happen. Yeah. Um, but they did have all that money from the premiership there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and truly deserved. Yeah, we waited yeah, a while. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, and then everyone behaves themselves. So they're not they're not forking up a quarter of a million dollars after every uh, <clears throat> postseason celebration, like some clubs are. Now, you and and, and a lot like uh, Ruan Sims mm-hmm. come from a family of boys. She actually comes from a family of like. Professional athletes, all of them, all the brothers are playing, aren't they? Yep. Like, even right now, they're yeah. all playing. Yep, they're Your brothers, at what point did you start <laughs> overpassing them, just flying past them? Oh, my brothers all played rugby league at a mm. different point in time, but they all stopped. So mm. even even just in the jun- like even just in junior rugby league, I played from five all the way through to under twelve. So none of them did that. Yeah, yeah. They, they're all they're all so different. Yeah. All love their footy. My older brother was really good at cricket. Yep. Um, my two younger brothers, the Kurt, who's under me, he kind of moved to AFL after a while. He's got like a really tall, lean physique, perfect for AFL. He gets and folded, then my youngest brother. Rugby yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of us have too much beef on us, yeah, so yeah. that probably wasn't great yeah. for the boys. Yeah. To be fair to them, but my youngest brother Mitch, he probably played for the longest um, after me, but. We, we were always playing in the backyard. That was how mum got me to finish my dinner. She mm-hmm. said, if you finish your broccoli, you can go and play in the backyard or you can go play knee footy with the boys in the lounge room. So we've always loved it and always mm-hmm. played it at home. But yeah, I think I probably just had the biggest passion for it, mm-hmm. I guess, out of us kids. I was always the most feral too, Yeah, which is pretty standard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Ruan, you know, her brothers, are, those are big boys, Tarek. And, <laughs> yeah, they are. And, yeah, yeah, Ashton, they are big boys. So they, they, they could probably keep moving forward with it too. Now you've we've we've seen in in sport there is that idea of um, some of the greatest things will come through you know team sport and sometimes um, you know there'll be blow ups and mm-hmm. everyone who's played sport and I imagine professional sport is much worse have seen the red <laughs> mist where they might not be behaving. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Serena because she had the red mist? Um, oh. Yeah, and it was and it was. And it's obviously turned into something else, so you don't need to really don't don't worry about the cartoons or anything that's come since then. But do, do you, uh, yeah? What are your thoughts on how um, how that all came to play? When I heard her speaking, I could, to be honest, I just heard her passion, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's where it stemmed from mm-hmm. was just the passion. She doesn't believe that she's a cheater. Yep, I wouldn't cheat. 
Um, and that's, I guess, what I think she's been pretty hard done by. Mm-hmm. Um, she probably, if she could go back, she might not have conducted herself the same way. Um, but certainly when you put everything into one game, mm-hmm. because it is match by match, especially for um, tennis players, when you put everything into one thing, it's your whole world for that for that period of time. So I think that just reflected how much she puts into a game yeah. and her passion and that she truly knows that she isn't a cheater. So... I don't know that it reflected the right way and that she probably conducted herself perfectly. But for me, it just shows how much she puts in, how much she cares. And that's kind of how it was um, reflected, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You've um, you've given a, uh, a referee a spray before as well. I don't know. I'm actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe a car. Yeah, Get no, him I'm on pretty side. good. <laughs> Yeah, to the referees, definitely. To yeah. the opposition, not so much. Yeah, yeah. I cannot banter on the field because I am so much smaller than everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I will literally just, I yeah. already get beaten up. Yeah. So I have to be pretty smart with what I say to who. Yeah. So this, the ref's probably my safest option out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. There's definitely been a couple of slip-ups. I was worse when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Certainly when I, certainly since I've grown up, I've, I was a little bit better. Um, but I was sh- pretty shocking when I was a kid, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I matured with age slightly. Mm-hmm. I hope. Do you think? Uh, what, what do you think of the way the AFL have done their women's program? Love it. Do you love it? Do yep. you think? Do you think there's anything um, that the NRL can kind of take from that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that they produced. Uh, well, they they provided the structure of how to do it, mm-hmm. and I think that the the AFL in general do that. Um, you know, you turn on your you turn on your TV on Grand Final Day and you watch the AFL, and even just going back to the media side, what we were talking about before, people covering the game, mm-hmm. whether they be journo's or whether they be analysts of the game, there's a fifty fifty split of men and women, mm-hmm. um, and then just the way that they do the pregame entertainment, then the match. I think that the AFL do it very well, and I don't think there's any real reason to have a look at their structure and say, well, let's not do it like that just because we'll be copying them. Mm. Let's look at it and say, hey, they've done pretty well. Why don't we Why don't we use that and yeah. not come up with our own? Um, there's definitely different ways that I would have done the NRL, the women's NRL competition. Yep. Would have included Cronulla. But, yeah, definitely would have included Cronulla. I probably yeah. would have changed the whole game in a sense. Yeah. But the fact that it's out there and it's happening, that's the most positive thing. Yeah. And just the fact that they've started it. Mm-hmm. Um, they can certainly, and I'm sure that they will, and they're going to make a fair few adjustments and changes, and to continue growing the sport. But I'm just over the moon excited that they've actually done it, and it's a starting point. So there's one thing I'd like to know. Hypothetically, if you still had your knees of steel, <laughs> um, would you play for the Dragons? Nah. No. Nah. You'd, you'd be sitting out anyway. You'd be waiting. <laughs> well, I'd take any opportunity I could to play, but... You, you go to England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, I think I'd... Yeah, no. Nah. Just wait it out because there's there's eight teams... I wouldn't wait it out. No way. Mm. I'd be playing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was brought into a conversation this year about helping coach the Roosters, so that probably would have yeah. been the most likely outcome, mm-hmm. um, being a part of that. But if the Warriors said, hey we want you to come over, I'd say, yep, let's go. Yep, yep. Like I'm all for trying something new as long as I'm out there playing footy. And building the game. Um, yeah, and also I really enjoy 
learning off new coaches. So if I could go over there and play with new women, learn from them on the field and in training and then having a new coach, I would have taken that with both hands for sure. Well, there's eight teams now in the women's AFL teams mm-hmm. um, in their competition and two more are joining next year and then four more in 2020 and that's that's basically a full draw. Yeah. Um, is the women's league moving along at that pace or is it still trying to find its feet really? Do you know the most frustrating thing about and I'm not a I don't play a role in the process of the NRL and how they're doing it, but for me being a supporter of the game and being passionate about women's rugby league, the most frustrating thing is that there's no strategic plan. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't tell us or anyone what's happening next year. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. And I think that's what the AFL have done really well is they've got their plan. They've had it from the start. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people say that the Women's Rugby League this year might have been a little bit rushed. I don't think it was rushed. I think the timing was perfect. Yeah. Because women's sport in Australia and the world is exploding and this is the right time. Now you've got the people here. You've got the players. You can do it. Um, But, yeah, I just find it hard to... I'm a very goal-orientated person. Yeah. And even just being a supporter of the game, I want to know what's happening, what's coming up, being yeah, able to imagine, talk about yeah. it, being yeah. able to promote it, being excited for the women, yeah. being excited for the young girls playing. You know, if you go and watch a under-16s under sixteens game and say, hey, in two years' time, this is what the women's NRL is going to be doing. We can't even have those conversations yet because we don't know. So that's what I'd like to see out of the NRL is a strategic plan. Yeah. Can you tell us just um, quickly... Like you were saying, you kind of got scouted from Oztag to play uh, rugby sevens. With with um, you know, there's a lot of young girls um, playing sport quite competitively in Australia. Where do you think rugby league could uh, start looking as well? Just to bring a few look, is it, do many other sports you can see the talent? Obviously, you know, there's the rugby codes, but yeah. how do netballers go out there? We don't have too many netballers. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't usually make the cross. They don't code hop that much. No. Well, until this year, there hasn't been a reason for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what are the incentives to come to rugby league if you yeah. haven't grown up loving the game? Yeah, yeah, right. Those the incentives money, will come now. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. a result of the women's rugby, uh, mm. women's NRL competition being on yeah. mm-hmm. free to air TV, which is massive, and the game growing and sponsor opportunities, and certainly being able to be uh, paid to be an athlete. Mm-hmm. But I think they well they haven't those opportunities haven't been there in the past so we, you don't see too much of that. Um, a lot of the women that play rugby league now have either just joined in the last couple of years, like the younger the younger girls, the mm-hmm. girls that are around their twenties, they've just joined in the last year or two. Um, there's not many of us that played when we were younger with the boys, just because it was never as common. But I think in terms of which codes to get people from, rugby unions a no-brainer yep. but then also your touch your Oztag yep. um, beach sprinters yeah. like Elia Green you mentioned her name before rugby seven she was a sprinter right yeah power athlete she's yeah. so goddamn power fast athlete. Very quick. Charlotte Kazlik was touch footy Emma Tornagato was touch footy yeah. uh, football backgrounds like different codes of footy that certainly helps because yeah. you've got those base those skills but if you're a professional athlete you can teach someone how to catch and pass mm-hmm. and if you're a netball player yeah. and you want to come and have a crack at rugby league you can do that yeah. because you understand how to analyze a game you're just transferring yeah. those skills over to something else now just just lastly um we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll let you go in a second mm-hmm. who do you reckon's got this this year 
in 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 the remaining comp. In which men's or women's? Both. Men's are like Souths. Yep. Um, I think on their day they have the most creative and the most challenging mm-hmm. attack. Um, it kind of just comes back to how they're performing and how they turn up. Mm-hmm. I think that they're a very confidence-based football side, but when they turn up and they're packed with confidence, the players on their team and um, just the threats that they have all across the field, they're looking to score on any tackle from yeah. any point of the field and they can be absolutely brutal to an opposition out there. Just so G- I think G.I. They're the most, himself they're when the he's most on his own. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. They're the most threatening side to me. But they're also very beatable. Mm-hmm. And I think that firstly comes to just getting in their heads and sh- kind yeah. of shutting them down. On a chink in the just. armour. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see a South Roosters grand final. I don't yeah. know if that'll be the case this year. Um, but then for the women's at the moment, we've only seen one round yeah. um, so far. But at the moment, I think it'll probably be Broncos Bronx, Warriors. Yeah. But Broncos are looking pretty good out yeah. there. Their forwards are pretty strong, but their hooker, Brittany Braley, is... A genius mm-hmm. uh, out of dummy half, and their half, Ali Brigginshaw, reads the game as well as Joey Johns did. So yeah. Queenslanders as well. So I know it's hard for me to say. Don't <laughs> you worry, but um, yeah, they're probably my top contenders at the moment. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having this is, me. Um, this has been a great chat, and we let's get Cronulla back in there. Let's have the powers that be. Hopefully, they're listening. Yeah, they might be listening. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's get let's get the shy back in there. Let's get Townsville. Let's grow this game. Let's grow this game. <laughs> Thanks right. for joining us. And that's it this week for the Batuta Advocate Radio Show or the Batuta Advocate Podcast if you're tuning in online. Remember, uh, we are going on tour at the end of the year. Please come along. Tickets are flying out the door. You can get them at www.batutaadvocate.com slash roadshow. That's it for this week from us. I'm Clancy Overall. You be kind to each other. And I'm Errol Parker. Make sure to never talk to the police without a lawyer present and stay out of the pokies. Until next week.